We're going to be reading from uh, Jonah chapter 4. Um, this series of messages um, uh, actually has um, been really ministered to me um, as I've been thinking about uh, uh, Jonah's life and, and how it somewhat mirrors um, each of our lives and some of the struggles that we have. And so, uh, you know, if you could kind of put, if you want to just kind of give a quick outline for those of you who haven't been with us all this time is chapter one is Jonah running. Chapter two is Jonah repenting. Chapter three is Nineveh repenting. And chapter four is Jonah pouting. <laughs> I couldn't keep all the, you know, the uh, letters all together uh, to make it easy to remember. But, but chapter four is Jonah pouting. Jonah is angry. And um, if you were to, uh, you know, this morning we were asking for prayer requests. And Jonah's prayer request is, God, take my life. It's not worth living. Now, that would probably shock most of us. It was like, wait there, would you, would you tell me, what are you saying? <laughs> but that's Jonah's prayer request. Not mine. He's telling us, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I actually said to God. So, Jonah chapter 4 is Jonah being real transparent here with, G, with God. I don't know if you've ever been this transparent with God, but Jonah's being very transparent. And uh, his anger has gotten the best of him. And uh, Jonah's hot under the collar. And he, uh, and we're going to look at some of this. We can't look at all the chapter. I was going to break this. I was going to actually preach the whole chapter. And I said, no, we better take this in, some, in a series of messages. Because I believe that Jonah's prayer here, I think, isn't worth just looking at Jonah's displeasure. Or di Jonah is displeased with God. And you ask yourself, have I ever been displeased with what God's doing in my life? And I think if we were honest, and if we're honest with ourselves, we would say, yeah, I've been there. And so Jonah, in Jonah chapter 4, let's just read the first four verses, and then we're going to take a look at, uh, at uh, four things that Jonah says in his prayer that I think um, should shock all of us. But then it shouldn't shock us in a way, but it will shock us because what Jonah is saying is he's speaking uh, in some ways out of the hardness and the blindness of his own heart. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee into Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? And we'll stop there. Let's pray. Father, uh, as we come to you, it's, uh, this passage is... It's searching for all of us, Lord, because sometimes I believe if we're honest with you, uh, Lord, we have, uh, we have been angry. And sometimes, Lord, that angry is not so easy to spot, but uh, Lord, it's there. Uh, Father, it's there in a lot of different ways. Some, some of those ways we'll look at this morning, Lord, that... Uh, as you reveal to Jonah uh, what's there in his own heart. And this, pa this passage, Lord, does that. It exposes something that Jonah didn't see. 
And so, Lord, I thank you that you are God who is merciful, that you are God who's gracious. Lord, that you are a God who's long-suffering. And, Father, most of all, I thank you that you're a God who is filled with steadfast love for your people. Even in our worst moments, Lord, there's something about your steadfast covenant love to us that endears us to you and and you, and you to us. And we give you the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been looking at this, uh, this prophet, but uh, I think we would probably, uh, we're a little shocked because uh, this is probably one of the great revivals in history, at least that we know of, we read about in Scripture. And Jonah, now the, the whole city of Nineveh has just repented from the very least to even the greatest, the king himself. And it would be like, uh, for example, um, can you imagine anybody being upset if they pitched the perfect game? No hits, no runs. And uh, The crowd is just going crazy, and the pitcher walks off the mound and says, I can't believe it. I just, I'm just so angry with myself. Or, or maybe the musician who just had the perfect, you know, he, he has, you know, has just had this perfect uh, recital, or, and all the audience is praising him, and he's angry at himself. Well, Jonah has has preached probably one of the most difficult messages to the most difficult groups of people who actually he didn't like, who really didn't like him. And they all repent and Jonah is angry. I mean, that's what it says. In fact, it says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. And I guess as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, but have I ever been there? Have you ever been there? Is there something that's gone seriously wrong in your plans and your life in which you say to yourself and to God, this shouldn't happen to me because I am a child of God? And I think if we're honest, and I know that I, I, <laughs> there's things that I can think about that just it, when I thought about them at the time, I was so upset, not just that it happened, not just that it was wrong, but that it happened to somebody that I thought was serving God. I remember, uh, and I'll just real, real briefly, but uh, uh, when I started seminary, for example, I was, uh, I was going to a seminary, uh, Grace College Seminary. I had, uh, was t- doing a part-time accounting supervisor job at the college, but they had hired a new chief financial officer. And uh, he called me into his office. I've been there for about a year and a half, cleaned up a lot of mess. You know, they hadn't reconciled their books for years, their bank accounts. I mean, I mean, you could, you could walk in my office and you'd see tapes. You know how the old tape machines go? Do, 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 do. Oh, I, I reconciled those. I reconciled two accounts. There, one was the Billy, Billy Sunday Conference um, uh, group, and then they had uh, the college and seminary. But anyway, both of those were all messed up. So he calls me in and he says, you know, I, I, um, I'm going to have to let you go. And I'm kind of like, well, why? He said, well, you know, you're doing a great job. You've done a great job. We really appreciate you. Um, 
And then he tried to get me to snitch on my, my immediate boss, and I wouldn't. <laughs> um, but then I found out later, after, I had, after I'd gotten that, I was so disappointed. I thought, why would God allow this to happen to me? I mean, this was going to help me pay through my, my seminary. I mean, seminary wasn't, uh, you know, inexpensive. And uh, so what happened is uh, I found out later he wanted to hire his buddy, <laughs> his good friend. And, uh, and so what, uh, that even made me w- even more angry because it wasn't because I'd done a bad job. It was because he wanted his friend in. So then when his friend didn't accept the job and they, they offered it back to me, I said no. And I think it probably because I was still fuming from the fact that he let me go. <laughs> and I just figured, okay, uh, I'll figure another way out. But, but I think even at that moment, there was some disappointment, not only did I have in that person, but it was really deeper than that. It was disappointment with God, that things were not turning out the way I thought they should. And uh, so my sense of injustice, my injustice uh, radar, if you will, <laughs> it went up and I, uh, I said no. And I think we've all been there. Sometimes we, uh, you know, Jonah, you know, we, we get this, you know, we get this explosion of anger, which we see Jonah telling us about. But a lot of our anger is covert, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's those, it's that low grade thing like sarcasm. It could be grumbling. Uh, I know sometimes it's just, you know, just, I'm just so irritable. I got up on the wrong side of the bed. <laughs> life is, right, life is not always, uh, you know, and you, and you think, okay, there's something deeper. What, what, is that, what is that frustration there? That's the kind of the covert. That's kind of the, I call that the cold anger. You know, the cold anger is sometimes it's, it's the quiet anger. It's the, it's the anger that stews. But then there's also that anger that's really hot. It's the jealous type, the rage type, the, the hate type, the vengeful type. And, and Jonah's angry with God. He's disappointed, but that disappointment has led him to a place where he's angry. And he's angry because God has turned his plans, because he has a plan for punishing the Ninevites. And God has a plan of what? Forgiving the Ninevites. And you can see that he can't see that the two could be reconciled. He says it's either one or the other. And if you don't think that he's thinking that, well, why in the else, after all this time, does he go up to the mountain, builds a little booth, and he waits for God to destroy Nineveh? So, so you kind of think of the psyche of Jonah here. He's, he, he is really, really angry to the point that he's, he's telling God about it. In fact, if you look at the verses here, it says, and he prayed. He's praying in anger. He's upset. He's frustrated with God. He doesn't really accept what God is doing, and he wants God to change his mind. Uh, you know how um, it's, like, it's like a, you know, when uh, your child's angry at you? You ever had that happen? Well, we all have, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, go to your room, no dinner tonight. And then what happens? The child is going to wait out mom and dad. Oh, they'll give in eventually. If I pout long enough. If I, I mean, Jonah is, is kind of doing that with God here. But what he's doing, he's also giving us a picture for us to look at our own anger. 
and to see where our anger lies. And so he's going to give us four shocking reactions. You know, it's kind of, I, I, I put this into four shocking things that Jonah says about his anger and his displeasure with God. And the first one, the first shocking thing he, he says here is just his reaction to Nineveh's repentance and how he reacted to it. And he calls it evil here. In fact, in verse 1, it says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. Actually, in the, 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 actually it says he calls it evil. He, thought, he said it displeased Jonah and that it was exceedingly evil and that's why he's angry. Can you imagine calling something that God says is good evil? It didn't turn out the way I wanted to, and therefore it's evil. It's wrong. Lord, you've got to fix this, and because if you don't, I'm not serving you. I'm not coming to church. I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm just, if you don't do that, then you are not going to get my devotion. And you're saying, but wait there, he's a prophet of God. He's a man of God. He's a Christian who's acting like a child. He's having a temper tantrum with God. You say, well, is that possible? I mean, really, honestly, <laughs> is that possible? Can we do that? Jonah's saying to God, what you call good, I'm going to call evil because the only thing I think is good is if you punish people that I think should be punished and you forgive the people that I think you should forgive, and those are the Jewish people. That's kind of his bottom line. I mean, maybe it's a simplistic view of God, but it's one I think that probably is common to a lot, a lot of us. You know, the, uh, it's almost as if the one lens he's looking through is justice. You know, the justice lens, I mean, think about it. Are there things that really irritate you, that disturb you about the world that we live in? Lord, I think you should just inflict justice. <laughs> What would happen if God just gave us what we deserved? That now, so, so there's good anger, and we should be angry at injustice. But we don't have the solution in and of ourselves apart from the gospel. So if our lens is only justice and we don't see mercy, then we're, we're missing what the gospel is supposed to do. The gospel is going to bridge justice and mercy together. At the cross, right? There's justice, God's wrath on sin, and there's mercy, and they're, they're holding hands. We see that at the cross, but I'm jumping ahead here, okay? So, so, there's this, so there's this thing that's happening, and Jonah is basically saying, I don't like what God's doing. You know, I, it's a, early in my ministry, uh, just starting out, one of the things that happened in our early ministry, there was a, a, a struggling wife, and she came, and she, was, she, had, uh, she would come to a prayer meeting, and she'd come and ask for prayer for her husband. He was an alcoholic. Uh, he was cruel. He'd say unkind things to her. It caused a lot of a pain, pain in her life. And uh, we just keep praying for him because she kept saying, you know, asking for prayer, and God saved him. And she got angry. She said it couldn't be that easy. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, he can't just, I mean, I know God's going to, God's forgiven him, but, but there has to be something more here because look at the years that I've put up with this abuse. 
Now, I didn't mean that, you know, certainly they would need to work some things out in their marriage and so forth, but she got so angry she left the church just because of that. And you say, now that's major anger, right? But those those are true events. Those are true things that happen in those types of situations. And so, so Jonah's reaction to Nineveh's repentance, the very good thing that God did in forgiveness, he reacts with so much anger that he calls what God did evil. And then secondly, notice the rationale that he gives. In other words, this is his justification. His rationale is this. Notice verse 2. This is why I ran away. <laughs> this is why. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I, I knew that you're a God of grace, mercy. You are slow to anger and you're abounding in steadfast love. In other words, I know the kind of God you are. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to tell me to preach, preach God's judgment. And then you're going to forgive them if they repent. And God says, exactly. (laughs) Because in Jeremiah 18, that's exactly what God says. If you preach a message of condemnation and that person repents, guess what? You forgive them. God is a God of forgiveness. It costs him something, but it's free to us. That's the gospel. And it's hard sometimes to, you know, when you're angry... I mean, there's things that people have, I mean, think about some of the things that you've gone through as, a, as individuals and the people that have caused hurt and pain. Betrayal. I mean, there's, there's so many hurts and pains. And yet when God, when God, Moses said, show me your glory, God gave him this picture of himself. A God of grace, a God of mercy, a God of what? A God of long-suffering. Man, I mean, I have a short fuse, not a long fuse. <laughs> I mean, you know, long-suffering is not one of them. But yet, when you think about it, that's what God does. If God gave us what we deserved, none of us would be here. And not only that, his steadfast love, that's his grace, his unmerited favor to us. And so, so his rationale is, Lord, I know this is the kind of God you are, and that's why I didn't go. That's scary, isn't it? <laughs> You know that he's a God of grace. You're complaining about the grace that he's given. And it's almost as if you're using that as the justification for disobedience. Well, I think that's reading the Bible the wrong way, right? If you're reading the Bible looking for passages to justify your sin, obviously you're not reading the Bible correctly. God has delivered Jonah because of one thing. He's a God of mercy and grace. And you go like, wow. The very thing that Jonah is giving as his rationale is the very reason why Jonah is still alive, right? Because remember what? He had strike one when he ran. He's just, he, he went and God, what? He cries out, repents. God appoints a fish and he spits Jonah out. Jonah goes and preaches. The people repent. And now Jonah's got strike two. Jonah's angry, and he calls what God did as evil. That's strike two. We're going to see strike three, and then we're going to see strike four. And you're going like, Lord, don't, wait there, three strikes and you're out, right? And God says, no, there's four. I've got four strikes here. Jonah, God, you're, you're thinking like, wait there. Uh, well, we'll get to that point. Because he, he's going to, God's going to ask him a question. So God's, uh, 
You know, Jonah here is more like the elder son. Remember in the prodigal son, what happened? When God forgave the prodigal son, what did the elder son do? Come on, son, we're going to celebrate your, your brother that was lost. He's been found and he's back and we're going to just honor him and we're going to celebrate. No way am I going. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He took, he took, he took a, a chunk of the money and he wasted it. And you're going to now forgive him and you're going to celebrate? No way. I mean, Jonah, Jonah is, his, his justice radar is kind of like, this ain't right. <laughs> this, this is wrong. But it's that very mercy that he's arguing about is the very mercy that's delivered him. Not only from the fish, but God is doing something else. Think about it. When God asks questions in scripture, what's he trying to do? Those questions are intended to search your soul and my soul, to look at what's driving our attitudes and our actions. And so Jonah's reputation might be at stake here because I think Jonah's thinking this. Now, look, I'm, po- I'm a popular prophet here in Galilee or in the, you know, northern Israel, Galilee and so forth. And, uh, and my reputation is, is, is going to really be hurt if they know that I'm the prophet that went and preached to their enemy and their enemy repented. And so what? what, is God more concerned about Jonah's reputation or about lost people? He's more, he, he loves lost people. You kind of say, well, wait there, Lord, I, I, I'm having a hard time with this. I'm having a hard time with, I mean, I think, God, you should do this. And God's saying, wait there, you don't understand what it means to be having God's love displayed in your life. God, so God's what? He's, he wants to reconcile our anger because anger is something that it wants justice. And oftentimes that justice ends up as the very thing that's destructive. And so what's, what's Jonah's request? I mean, so we, we saw his rationalization. He's basically saying, that's the kind of God you are. Well, what, what, what kind of justification is that? <laughs> I know you're a God that's going to show mercy. And yet that's what he's doing. But then he does something else. He has a prayer request. And this is his prayer request. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it's better for me to die than to live. Now that's pretty shocking, isn't it? I mean, if, if somebody had showed up this morning and had that prayer request, you'd kind of like, let's talk. You know, this is a serious business. This is serious, serious stuff here. And yet that's what Jonah is saying. In fact, there's three times in this passage God asked Jonah a question. This is the first time, and then later he's going he's to show him how petty his prayer request is, his request. Because Jonah's going to ask God, Jonah's going to say, I want to die three times here in this passage. God's going to ask him three questions because God is wanting to, if you could think of it, think of Jonah's heart like this. It's a big onion and God's pulled back the outer layer when he delivered him from the fish. He's now pulling back a second layer and then he's going to pull back a third layer and then he's going to pull back another layer. So when Jonah looks there, he's going to go like, man, is that a rotten core? (laughs) I've got, a, I've got a major issue here, and the only, God, only person, I need mercy, Lord. And God's saying, exactly, exactly. You need God's grace in your life. You can't do it on your own. And so his request is, uh, I mean, 
Jonah's just saying, look, I want to die. If, if, Lord, you bless somebody that I hate, that I wanted you to curse, and because of that, I don't want to live any longer. Now, that's scary to get at that point. In, you know, in other words, Lord, your judgment is so messed up right here, and your wisdom is so wrong, I know better than you. Whoa. <laughs> Wait there. Your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. My ways, in fact, are so much higher than your ways as far as the heavens are from the earth. Jonah, you don't even, you, you can't even fathom those. <laughs> I mean, you're kind of waiting for God to do what? Strike him? <laughs> you're basically, he's pointing his finger at God and saying, you're wrong. Now, if there wasn't a God of grace, brothers and sisters, we would have experienced God's judgment. How has Jonah come to the place in his life that he would rather be dead than to see God? Show mercy to somebody. And I think some of the, the chapter Jonah basically tells us, I think one of the things is that he's, he's so, so much a nationalist. He's so much a, I mean, he's a, he's a patriot to the point of making that his God. Now, is it wrong to be patriotic? Of course not. Should we be proud of our country? Yes. Should we be thankful for the men and women who've served? Yes. Should we be thankful for our homes and our families? Yes. But if that's more important to us than the lost, God's saying there's something wrong with your spirit. Because that's not God's heart. I mean, not only is Joni on that, he's kind of, so he's really, he's kind of twisted this idea of what it means to be patriotic. He's made that his God. And he substituted another God in this. Basically, I'm a Hebrew. <laughs> I'm from the nation of Israel. And then, and then notice his legalism is, is also evident because basically John is saying, in effect, God, you should bless me because of who I am, not because of who you are. And that legalism to say, I believe in Jesus as my Savior, but plus what I do is what gets me to heaven. That's legalism. Uh, that, uh, and then you could say, well, you, but you know, Jonah, Jonah is really kind of at the point of, he's basically, he's praying the prayer. I'm glad I'm not like those Ninevites. I'm glad I'm not like the people out there. I'm glad I'm not, you know, I pray three times a day. I, I fast. I, uh, I give my tithes and offerings, but that's not the reason God saves us. It's all about grace. It's about God's unmerited favor and that the cost, that it, quite it cost him to provide for us a free and a glorious salvation. I mean, what's scary about this is Jonah thinks he knows better than God. And that's really, a, bottom line is Jonah's pride and lack of humility here. I mean, Jonah's saying, you reap what you sow, and I think they deserve judgment and therefore give it to them. You know, and it's easy for us to fall into that pattern. I mean, think about the things that are going on in the world. I mean, we can pray for judgment, right? Or we can pray for mercy and forgiveness. Now, I'm not saying that we don't call wrong wrong because we should do that, right? We would, we would not have a true, there would be something wrong with our moral monitor, if you will, if we just said, well, you know, I see injustice and that's okay. No. We call, we call sin sin. We call injustice injustice. But what, what happens is that we... 
then our response needs to be, God, either save them. <laughs> and that's basically what our pressure would be. Lord, save, you know, save the lost. Save the lost in our community. Save, save my own heart from becoming bitter and angry and defiant. And, and to the point of, of wrapping my thinking around the gospel to the point that the gospel is, doesn't have any power in my life to see that I'm as needy a sinner saved by grace as the person who's been lost and who needs grace, right? I mean, that's, that's what Jonah is, that, that's what God's doing with Jonah here. Um, you know, he didn't, he didn't do with Jonah what God did to Job. What did he do to Job? Who's this who darkens counsel with words? And then God goes ahead and tells John, John, uh, Job. Then God puts, uh, says to Job in Job 40, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? Will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be justified? <laughs> God doesn't say that to Jonah here, does he? But, boy, you're kind of expecting it. I mean, think about it. If that were you... Jonah's sitting there pouting. Somebody said, I mean, just think about anybody. What would have been your response? <laughs> I know what mine would have been. It wouldn't have been what God's was. Who do you think you are? <laughs> what are you thinking? What are you saying? I mean, you can go and stew in your own juices and don't let the door hit you on your way out. I mean, that would be my response. Because I'm, so, I mean, I, my anger monitor gets messed up when it, sometimes. I mean, it's just not, it's, it, it doesn't see things as God sees things. But what does God do here? In verse 4, God asks him a question. And you're going like, oh, give me a break. Lord, haven't you been patient enough with Job? Haven't you been patient enough with me? In the times I've blown it, and you've blown it, and we've blown it. And God says, do you do right or well or good to be angry. What's God doing? The best counseling is the best question, right? God's not done with him. God's not done with us. So God asks a question because he's still probing. He's not probing because he wants to find out. He's probing what? So Jonah could find out what's there. He wants you to see you. <laughs> he wants you and me to see our own hearts. And realize that the greatest danger that we face often is in that hard heart that forgets that I'm here only because of the grace of God. Go I. Has nothing else to do with it as it relates to my goodness, because there is no good. There's none good but one. That's God. And it's God's patience and God's long-suffering and God's mercy that we forget, and that's why we become bitter when we become angry. We get frustrated thinking that just because God's been merciful to me, he shouldn't be merciful to thee or to them or whoever else. And what's even amazing that Jonah strikes out here because in verse 5, what does he do? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. Now, what's he waiting for? He's waiting for God to strike the Ninevites. He's already known. God says, I'm not doing it. I'm forgiving them. And he's still sitting there. He's pouting and he's saying, God will change his mind. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not, I'm not leaving until he does. God has to what? God has to give him a few more questions and, and give him a few. I, I like the way God does this. He gives him a, the, he, he, God prepares something. God prepares what? God prepares a gourd. 
God prepares a worm to destroy the gourd, and God prepares an east wind. Now, you think of those three things. God prepared those three things so that he would have a picture lesson of what grace looks like. And so we would have a picture of what grace looks like, right? Because we can sit under our gourd and pout too, right? Lord, you destroyed my gourd. Well, what is your gourd, Jonah? Well, <laughs> I was pretty comfortable. And, you know, when they built booths, remember that the Feast of Booths was what? To celebrate redemption, God's deliverance from Egypt. And I think there's some irony in the text. I, I, no, no other author said this, but as I was thinking about what was, the, what was the, the booth supposed to be? The booth was they dwelled in the booth for seven days to celebrate God's grace to them. And what's Jonah doing? He's sitting in his booth waiting for God to do judgment on the Ninevites. I mean, see, you see how anger gets, distorts our thinking? And God is being merciful. And God is saying, Lord, Jonah, I'm going to redeem your anger that you don't see yet so that you can see it better. I'm, I'm going to close with this illustration. I know I've gone long, but, um, I, and I've maybe mentioned this before, but uh, there's, a, there's a song, several songs in our hymn book. One of them is the first song, but then there's uh, Jesus, I, My Cross Have Taken. And there's another one, um, Praise My Soul, The King of Heaven. And that's written by Henry Light. What's amazing about Henry Light is he had a miserable family life. When he was uh, uh, little, his, uh, his father... Uh, forsook he and his mother, and uh, and when uh, and then his mother died shortly after, and so they sent him to boarding school. And Henry Light, when he would get a letter from his dad, his dad would sign it "Your Uncle," because he didn't want him to call him father again. And yet Henry Light, when he writes his hymns, all his hymns are about the father. Something's happened. I mean, would, would you be writing about the father? I'd be angry. You mentioned father. That just brings up this. Ah, I can't believe that. You know, why would this happen to me? Father doesn't mean compassion and love. But yet in his songs, that's what he talks about. The father. The gospel has redeemed his anger so that what? He can look at the father and say, he's a father who has great love and compassion for me. See, see what, God, what does God do with our anger? See, God can redeem our anger and, and turn that anger away from either from other people. And he can also turn that anger away from himself. And gear and, and what? That, that anger then becomes the means of grace to many people. How in the world could he get over that event in his life other than through the gospel? Knowing that God forgives even him and his sins. And that God not just becomes somebody that forgives, but he also restores him and enables him to love and to be a father that he should be to his own children. And I think that's an amazing power for the gospel to what? Deconstruct our anger and then reconstruct us so that what? what? What remains for us is that God wants us to have a heart of compassion for the lost. 
That's ultimately what God's doing. Think about God's changing us from one stage of glory to another. He's changing us into the image of Christ. So what does that mean? That means that what? He's taking away that that stuff, that, that baggage of the past that we just allow to just keep... And the more I think about it, the more, the more hurt it causes. Guess what? God wants, to, what? God wants to deconstruct that, and he wants to reconstruct you in the image of Christ, and it means love and compassion for the lost. I believe that Jonah is a beautiful picture of how God changes me and you. It really is. And I'm thankful that he's a God who's long-suffering because, boy, I've blown it so many times in different ways. I mean, I've harbored my anger. Sometimes I've justified it for whatever reason, just to say, well, well you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just irritable by nature. <laughs> I'm just moody by nature. I'm just, you know, that's, what a wonderful day it is. What's good about it, you know? <laughs> you know, and yet God's what? God's working on me. He doesn't give up. God continues to ask questions. And it's not because he doesn't know. It's because he wants you to know how much grace He's given to you and to me as his children. You know, so, if, so God wants us to look at the world, and guess what he wants us to see? Democrats and Republicans, right? No. As Christians, we look at the world and what? We're either saved by grace or we're lost and we need grace. There's only two categories. Now, I'm not saying that politics is a different issue. <laughs> But guess what? Primarily, the way I should look at the world that I live in is there are lost people who need Jesus and there's people who have Jesus who need to be reminded that they're only here in Christians because of God's grace, right? There's only two categories, either lost or saved, but guess what? They both need grace. And if you're a Christian, you need grace, still need grace, right? I need grace every day. I pray, Lord, give me your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I know it's, uh, there's so much here, Lord, and I've only said a few things, but uh, I just thank you, Lord, that your grace is sufficient for every need that we have. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.